you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. Amen. Well, this message is part of a brand new series called The Plan. Someone say The Plan. And you're excited to have The Plan, I know. This is The Plan, and this first message in the series is called What Changes and What Doesn't. What Changes and What Doesn't. Turn in two places in your Bible, Matthew 28 and Mark 16. I like being able to walk around again. This is something. I've been staying in one place for months. Have you seen me? Just right here. And I turn like this and I turn like this every once in a while. This is great. Praise the Lord. You got Matthew 28? You got Mark 16? Yes. Amen. Should I take my glasses off? Leave them on? All right. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm not going to ask you if I should shave my beard. Too many of you have sounded off on that already. All right. <laughs> Finally. Thank you. All right. Listen, for every ministry, there must be a plan. Who would agree with that? Don't just go to the thing willy nilly. The Lord is not a, a, the Lord of chaos, but of order. Amen. And that plan must come from the Lord. Say, must come from the Lord. Amen. In Lamentations 3, verse 37, the Bible says, Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? You know, there are people who are speaking some things all throughout history, still do, and they don't come to pass, and we don't listen to those people. We don't listen to those people. No, we, we find true people who listen to the voice of the Lord and do what he says, and it comes to pass. Amen. Because God will get you. He's serious about this. He's like, those are not my prophets. I did not send them, and I did not say that. Ever read that in the Bible? God's serious about his word. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, be very careful about that. The, Lord ha the plan has to come from the Lord, or else it's just our best plans. And we're not into our best plans. We're into the Lord's best plans. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. The Lord's counsel will stand. So the plan for our ministry must be from the Lord. We seek Him in every season and find out what the plan is for that season. Here we are in a brand new season. When COVID-19 hit, it disrupted nearly everyone's plans. Anyone want to testify to that? Not too loudly now. <laughs> yeah, it disrupted our plans. But I thank God that He had already begun speaking to us rock wide about what He wanted to see done. The seeking of God that has been done by Pastor Jerry, by Pastor Jennifer, by myself, he has clued us into some things and gotten us ahead of this oncoming train called the pandemic. And us seeking him has produced fruit. It's now time to share this new plan in its fullness. Many questions are going to be answered during this series, such as, why do we need to launch house churches? How will house churches function when our campuses reopen? Will house churches have the same teaching as campus services, or will they have something different? What is the vision for house churches? 
When will our campuses open? And number six, how will things be different now than before? You can be assured that they will be different. And it's by the direction of the Lord, His best plans. We're going to talk about our mission. We're going to talk about our vision. We're going to talk about our updated ministry model, the phases of this new plan, and what campus ministry will look like going forward into the future. The Lord's counsel will stand. Somebody say amen. What changes and what doesn't? I'll tell you what doesn't change. God never changes. Amen. Is anyone excited about this? Now that I'm with you, I'm going to expect something from you, okay? It's been too long that I've been like amen in myself in my head for you, all right? So now you just participate with me from the back. you got to work harder. You found the shade back there, but now you got to project, all right? Let me hear you. God doesn't change. Amen. His purposes never change. But His plans and methods often do change. Let me remind you of a few examples. Anyone remember this? David. In the battle with the Philistines. I should say battles because look at what happens in 2 Samuel chapter 5. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. That's key. David inquired of the Lord. Saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? (laughs) And look how specific and precise David is here. He says, and will you deliver them into my hand? Because who knows, God God could send you. And you got to be sure that you're going to get victory. Amen? So I like what David says here. Listen, uh, I'll go. You gonna, am I going to win this thing? And I love what the Lord says. The Lord said to David, go up. Maybe I should back up a little bit. Maybe I'm a little too close. The Lord said to David, go up, for I will, doubtless, deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went obediently. I love that. He inquired of the Lord. God answered back. And he goes and does what God says. That's the ticket. Amen? So David went to Baal Perazim and David defeated the Philistines. Amen. Yes. Now look, in the same chapter, we got the same enemy rolling up the same way, right? And look what David does. The Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David, what? What do you think? Inquired of the Lord. That's his practice. That should be our practice every time. It may look the exact same as it did last time. We go back to the Lord and say, what now? What about this time? What do you have for me right now? What are you saying right now? What's what's your word, God? And the Lord said, you shall not go up. Oh, it's a good thing that David didn't just assume that he was going to take him out the way he did the first time. Isn't that right? Or he could have gotten squashed. Circle around them instead. Go behind them. Come upon them in front of the mulberry trees this time. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of those mulberry trees that you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord, then, then, when you hear the sound, you advance quickly, then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so. And as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Remember how God had planned to bring the first generation of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. Didn't we talk about that at the beginning of this pandemic? Leading us out, delivering us. Hebrews 4.3 in the Good News Bible, God said, They will never enter the land where, where I would have given them rest. The Lord's like, I had a plan, but I will never do that for them because they, because they. He said this, even though his work had been finished from the time he created the world. You know, God had made all the preparations to give this promised land to them. But they messed it up by not obeying the Lord. That's not us. Someone say, that's not us. 
And make it personal. Say, that's not me. I will follow the Lord. Amen. Remember how God changed his mind when he was about to judge the nation of Israel for their rebellion? Do you remember this? Yeah. Exodus 32, verses 10 through 14. If any of you are taking notes, if any of you thought to bring your journals today, Exodus 32, verses 10 through 14. Now, therefore, God's talking to Moses. Now, therefore, leave me alone. Leave me alone, Moses, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. I'm going to kill these. I'm going to kill them. The Lord is upset. He's going to take these people out. Now, this is not this message today, so I can't spend too much time here. There are answers for all of you. But I thought God was loving. I thought he was all love. and all. He is. However, he has emotions just like we do. And he was right to be angry with these people. Two time in him. So many times. Terrible. Terrible. Look what, look what he promises to Moses. Let me kill him, Moses. Get out of my way. Let me kill him. And I will make you a great nation. Imagine the Lord rolling up on you and making you that kind of offer. Who would take it? <laughs> I'm telling you, I, in, in my past, I might have taken this offer. I might have taken this offer, but Moses did not. And of course, now we have the love for one another. It's like, I, I know they blew it, but they're my family. I love them. Lord, give him, give him another chance, please. Moses intercedes. He pleads with the Lord his God and says, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and great power? Why should the Egyptians be able to say he brought them out to harm them and kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, God, and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, What's Israel's former name? Jacob, that's right. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of, of Israel. And even that name, he's calling on the God of covenant. Right now, you've made a promise with your people. And, and the Lord's like, I can still fulfill my promise with you. You're a child of Abraham. He's like, I know, but all of us, we're all in it. Please, please. He's begging the Lord. He says, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land I have spoken of, I give to your descendants that they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented. The Lord changed his mind because someone stood and interceded for someone who needed God to cool off. Plans change when circumstances change and plans change when we pray. Circumstances have changed our plans, but... Our prayer will change plans. Amen. See, plans change, but God does not change. We have that scripture up, our four square scripture in Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the same. When? Yesterday, today, for the whole thing, forever, all of it, the same. God does not change. Plans change, but our commission does not change. I've been talking to you about the great commandment. Love God first and best. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Everybody. Right? And the great commission. Go make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. He says, go into all the world. This is Jesus talking. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Condemned to what? condemned to a place never meant for God's people. Never meant for people. A place called hell. It's real, as real as heaven is. 
I would rather us all go to heaven and rejoice together like, the God, like God wants us to be a part of His family, a part of His fellowship forever and ever. I think I'm getting too close again. I'm excited. God's ultimate purpose is the, the saving of the world from eternal hell. God is a good God. He's so good. That's, that's what His plans for us. John 3.16, we all know it. If you've ever been to a, a baseball game or a football game, here we are, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for the same purpose. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What's repentance? It's like, man, I messed this whole thing up so badly, Lord. I need your help. I'm turning from all of that. I'm turning away. It's like, if I'm going this way, it's the wrong way. I turn right around. This is repentance right here. I turn right around and I'm coming towards you, Lord. Who knows that elections are important? All right. That's about the last thing we're going to say about politics here. Elections are important. It's important to vote and all that. Yes, we want to participate. Yes, we want to be a part of our, our civic responsibilities, our civic duties. Because we're not just going to leave it to everybody else. Is that right? Man, forget that. They'll, they'll bring us down a path that we don't want to go. Elections are important, but the church must still do its job for people to be saved. Elections aren't going to save people from hell. Isn't that true? Your favorite candidate, whoever he or she may be, is not going to save you from hell or your family or your children or your neighbors. I do not believe it's going to happen in this election, but even if all of the elected leaders were absolutely wicked, the true church would still flourish. Someone say amen. The true church would still flourish. Isaiah 60 says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness shall cover the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Amen. And His glory will be seen upon, who do you think? You. His glory will be seen upon you. Jesus said, you're now the light of the world. Amen. There are pastors who stepped out to open their campuses hoping that things would be back to normal, right back to normal. And guess how disappointed they were. <laughs> oh, they were disappointed because things didn't just go right back to normal like they expected. This is a strange time. Even with open campuses, even with meeting like this, who can say that things are not normal? Things are not normal. God always knows what to do, though. He always knows what to do. He saw this coming from forever. We waited so long to even get here to the park to do something like together together and not just online together. We waited so long. Why? Because we were diligently seeking the Lord, inquiring of the Lord. Lord, show us, speak to us, tell us when's the right time. And not just because you were banging down our doors. <laughs> because we wanted to know what the Lord is saying. We wanted to be rightly aligned with His plans and purposes for us so we didn't mess it up. Because we could mess it up. So, I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. Reasonably smart. Especially when I'm not working on 17 things at the same time. If I could focus on something, I could probably accomplish it. But I, I wasn't trusting this level of plan to myself. This is the Lord's doing. He said, get outside. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, build solid families. If you have anything to write with, I want you to write those three things down. Would you please? This is huge. This is the contextualization 
of our Hesperia campus beyond what even they get in Anaheim. This is what the Lord's saying to us. If you have a notes on your app, if you have a journal with you, if you have margins in your Bible and you have a pen, write this down. He said, get outside. Get outside. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Anyone go to the BFAM conference recently online at home? That was awesome. Pastor Carl, Pastor David making me cry. Oh my goodness. I love it. And he said, build solid families. Build solid families. Let's look at the Great Commission from Matthew 28. It's one of my favorite things to do. You know it. Matthew 28. Jesus said, go. Man, I get one word in, I have to stop. He said, go, not stay. Not sit around. Not be lazy. Not be sluggardly. To coin a phrase from OSL. He said, go, therefore, into all nations, all ethnos, ethnicities, all people groups, go everywhere. If they're like you, if they're not like you, if they like you, if they don't like you, go to them and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Jesus made commands to us and we're supposed to teach other people that. And he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Look, God is giving us a new plan, but the Great Commission is always the plan. The Great Commission is always the plan. It's always the same. Therefore, our mission remains the same. What's our mission? It's three words. Amen. Building solid lives. And how are we going to do that? Except we go and we make disciples of people and we baptize them and we teach them. And we know that Jesus is with us. Amen. Luke 6. You know this one, I hope. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Look, everyone's building a house of their life. Everyone's building something out of their life. Isn't that true? What are you building? You know, are you building a little shack, right? Or are you building a glorious mansion that's able to accommodate some people, able to bring some people in and shelter them? Shelter them from what? I'll tell you. It says, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently. Say the stream beat vehemently. The stream against that house, and, but it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently. The same exact words, same exact stream, beating with the same force against both houses, it couldn't even shake the first one, much less collapse it. The second one, though, with no foundation, immediately that house fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Ruined. Number one, we got to come to Jesus. Number two, we hear His sayings. And number three, we do them. That's what a solid life looks like, and that's what we build here at The Rock. Many Christians today misunderstand... <laughs> They believe that they can be a Christian in title only. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But Jesus said the difference in being called a Christian and being an actual Christian is in the doing. James 1. This is the brother of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine this? James, who once gave Jesus a bunch of guff. Oh, I'm not so sure. You're God. Because... 
I've lived with you all this time, and you're just like the rest of us. James, not giving Jesus the credit coming up, even as Jesus was starting his ministry. But look what he says now. He becomes convinced. And then James in James 1 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What a, what a transformation from someone who's like, I'm not with you, Jesus, to like, I'm totally with you, Jesus. I'll do whatever you say. That's how you know. That, and not only that, spiritual siblings, when your brother tells you that, you know what I'm saying? Kind of harder sometimes. But look, that's what we do. Come to Jesus, hear his sayings, and do them. Do them. November's coming. I know that I've, I've seen some prophecies and some things circling around. I think Cheryl sent me something a while ago. Appreciate that, Cheryl. And uh, look how nice it is. This is like personal right now. There you are. There we are. The camera never does this. It's terrible. Praise the Lord. But this coming election in November may be the most important election of our lifetimes. And we should pray. Amen? And not just all together. We should pray when you're alone. <laughs> pray when you're in your car. Pray when you're in the shower. Pray, pray, pray. We should be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we should vote. And all I'm going to tell you is this. We should vote based on the Bible. I was going to say biblical principles, but vote based on the word. Vote based on the truth. Vote based on, it's like, how would Jesus vote? Someone wrote a book called, How Would Jesus Vote? And I dig that. I asked, uh, I asked my friend Jacob this week. We're in a little discipling session on the phone. And I said, okay, we have all this civil unrest going on. We have all this political nonsense going on. We have the pandemic going on. Everyone has a different opinion. We're so disunited, divided. I said, if Jesus were in the flesh right here in front of us right now, what would he say? And he started talking about all the things that Jesus would think and how Jesus would feel. And he was right. I said, okay, I get all that. But what would he say? What would he say? And the thing is, we know that Jesus would lead with love, but he wouldn't neglect the truth either. He would lead with love, no condemnation, but he would say, here's how to get right. He told that woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He said, I don't condemn you, but don't keep sinning. Go your way and sin no more. Praise God. I want to be clear with everybody here on the authority of the word that, that though politics are vitally important, our primary commission from God is not to elect a president or any other political leader for the sake of saving us because they cannot save us. Amen. Our commission is to preach the gospel to every creature. Say, my commission is to preach the gospel. Amen. And to make disciples of all the nations. Say it. That's exactly what we're going to do. That is exactly what we're going to do here at The Rock. Many believers today are distracted from their callings, but we will not be distracted. We will pursue our collective calling with laser focus. Laser focus. We were testing this system last night, and I was speaking into the microphone. I'm like, well, the one good thing about my voice is it cuts through like a laser. It may not be all round and warm and beautiful, but it cuts through like a laser. You can hear me talking. So we are going to have laser focus. We're going to accomplish the commission of the Lord. Someone may say, what would we do if we lost our religious freedom? Tell me that, Pastor. If we lost our religious freedom, 
Well, first, I'll tell you this. We need to acknowledge how casually our culture and we ourselves, if we're honest, have been about our religious freedom so far. Oh, yeah, we've been pretty casual. Overall. I know I'm preaching to the choir on this, but it's worth saying because it's being recorded. Some of us don't hit church very regularly. Some of us don't pray very regularly. Some of us don't read our Bibles very regularly. Some of us don't speak to other people blessing and encouragement from the Word of God very often. We've taken all these religious freedoms that we have had so casually. We have to acknowledge it and say no more. If we are so engrossed in this, and it's like, oh, religious freedom, religious freedom. Do it. Do it. Amen. But we need to not take it so casually. We need to engage in the commission of the Lord. We have a part to play, and largely it comes out of your mouth. Amen. See, there's, there's a church everywhere we look, and we can't seem to find our way into one very regularly. It's crazy. Americans and all our freedoms, we as Americans can and should do better. We're fooled into believing. It's like social media. Oh, there's a church everywhere. I can just go anytime I want. And you never go. That's why we instituted this thing called Friend Friday. We have some friends who are like, we live in the same town. We grew up together, went to the same school. And we never see each other because we always could. It, would, it was always so easy. And because it was so easy, we never did it. Because they're always just right there. And so our relationship suffered. Until I said, no more. We got to do something about this. How's the second Friday of every month? Perfect. And now it's on our calendars. And guess what? We see our friends every month now. Praise God. There is a reality of this relationship being lived out with your regularity. Same thing with the Lord. We can engage. And I commend you. You're here on this hot day. Are you sweating? Whew, I'm sweating. So change your plans. Plan to gather to seek the Lord on a weekly basis. Yes, I said on a weekly basis. With your church family, the church, the ecclesia, the, the gathered ones for Jesus about his business. Gather, plan to gather. The most incredible life change and church growth will become evident when we get serious about rarely missing. Oh, we're only going to rarely miss church. These are glorious opportunities to be together. Receiving the instruction of the Lord and glorifying him through our affirmation, our dedication, our worship. Amen. Second, we need to take our stand in prayer that we don't lose what religious freedom we do have. Amen? We've got to take a stand in prayer and say, no, we, we like it. Let's keep it. Amen? I'm telling you, even if we lost all that, the Bible and history shows us that the church of Jesus Christ flourishes in persecution. Flourishes in persecution. The largest disciple-making movement right now in the world is going on in the nation of Iran, where there is zero religious liberty. Nevertheless, they're coming to Jesus in droves. They went underground. Meeting. There's a great YouTube movie called Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. I encourage everyone to watch it. Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. Volume 1 is pretty good too, but watch Volume 2. It's huge. China. China is poised to be the largest Christian nation on earth. You're like, how can that be, Pastor? Well, because people there are getting convinced that Jesus is Lord. Even though it's not legal. Even though they don't like it in communist China. What's happening? 
disciples are being made because people are speaking the gospel, preaching to people. In the last couple of decades, the church in America has been in decline. But God so loved the world. Amen? And He's not about to sit by and watch the devil steal this great nation from Him. God's not sitting back idle. Neither should we. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the time is short, and this is our time to arise and shine. The glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. It's risen upon us. So I, we, all of us will not stop declaring God's instructions because we can trust them to get us down the road with safety, clarity, precision, that we're not walking in our own ways, leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways we're acknowledging Him and He directs our what? Our paths. Amen. Isaiah 55, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Look at another brother of Jesus, Jude, toward the end of the Bible, right? Jude and Revelation. He ends his letter with these words, To God our Savior, who alone is wise. God, only you are wise. Only you have the answers. Only you have the plan for me. I need it from you. Give it to me. Only you are wise, Jude says. To you, our God and Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And Jesus told us always to pray in Matthew 6. Jesus says, Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is no time to choose our preferences. Dead men don't have rights. 